Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. I am bringing an amazing, amazing person. It's been great because we've, we've now been doing this, you know, close to two and a half years and we're getting more and more incredible talent coming, approaching our, our, uh, our podcast to, to, to do interviews with us. So Bill Ekstrom has a, uh, YouTube, um, that has been seen by like 3 million people, um, a YouTube talk, a TEDx talk, and it's why comfort will ruin your life. Okay. I really recommend putting it in there, listening to that before you listen to this. You don't have to, uh, it's, but, but I know it's really not that tough to do. And he has had an incredible career about 12 years ago. He started a business, um, a coaching business. Tell me that you don't think I'm going to have lots of amazing questions for him as we talk about coaching. And he is, he's the world's first and only organization to measure and quantify leadership effectiveness. He's written a new book, uh, the, the coaching effect. I can't recall me. I, sh- I shouldn't say I've, 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 uh, bought, uh, a, a, a few books of our, our previous, uh, speakers, uh, Brian Scudamore as an example, but I didn't know bill before this. And, uh, as a result of this talk, I am totally going to be reading, buying his book. Um, I, I totally recommend listening right through um, really, really wise, really successful, and so aligned with what we're up to here with the leaders of tomorrow. So enjoy the podcast. And you know what we're up to is finding amazing people. We're in the middle of just absolutely fundamentally incredible growth. During the pand- pandemic, I expect that we literally will have doubled our business in two seasons. Um, and it, 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 uh, just, just because of the incredible leaders that we have in our business, and, uh, and what we're up to. So if you know of an amazing leaders who are, who are looking for growth opportunities, send them our way. You know, we start recruiting really, really early. There'll be very limited spots for the season of 2022. We're already starting to think about that. Thanks so much. Have a fantastic day. People can always reach out to me at cthompson at studentworks.com. Send people to our website, studentworks.com, or share this podcast or any of our podcasts. Thanks so much. Have a fantastic day. So, Bill, thank you so much for joining us on the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Oh, Chris, it's fun to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, it's really awesome. I know we were chatting a little bit before, and it's it's just been amazing. The the uh, because we've been in you know doing this for a number of years, we're attracting more and more really you know, world-class talent. So, so I'm really excited about what you're up to in, 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 in your world. And, and, uh, you know, and I want to bring you back to, you know, when you were in your late teens, early twenties, you know, who was Bill, what was he struggling with? What were maybe some of his frustrations, you know, in the world, et cetera. Oh, wow. How long do we have, Chris? Uh, <laughs> the no therapy here, you know, <laughs> no, it, it, it's interesting. Uh, and, and when I think about that question, there's there's times um, 
like wh- where I'm at now, everybody focuses on what you've done, what how you succeeded, the things you've accomplished. And the dichotomy involved in that is that nobody wants to talk about the things that allowed that to happen, which are all the failures and the setback and the challenges in our world. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I, I could, I mean, my goodness, I, by today's standards, I would have been labeled behaviorally disordered in school. Okay. okay. I was kicked out of school in the seventh grade with the recommendation I'd be expelled from the public school system. Okay. Um, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't, it wasn't drugs or alcohol or things like that. I was just very yeah. disruptive. I was just being behaviorally challenged. Yes. Uh, struggled academically all okay. throughout life. Um, classrooms never seemed to be a fit for me. Yeah. Um, the, the structure that the restrictive nature of them. Yes. Um, I did not know. I didn't know how to handle it. Right. So I have failed more times than I've succeeded, but it's, you know, I, I, in the Ted talk, um, I, I opened it up by sharing the being vulnerable and sharing how I got fired from a job. Yes. Uh, as one of the um, platforms I use to, in the moment, I didn't know it was a platform, but using that to help me succeed. So it's just funny that all these things, you look back, and if I'm to your audience, I would say relish in the mistakes. Don't They do not define you. Mistakes do not define you. They're an opportunity to propel you if you use them that way. And so many times I didn't even know I was using them that way. So have a mindset that it's okay. It doesn't need to be perfect. And man, oh man, let, let things just go from there. Yeah. Well, we, in our, in our program, we actively uh, foster that mindset. We actively coach it. Okay, fantastic. We didn't get the result we wanted. Great. What are we going to learn from that? Oh, oh, you're finding this hard. Awesome. That's great. You know, like, like tell me, you know, looking, I'm a basketball fan looking at LeBron James. Do you think he's worked out a little bit? Do you think he's sweated a little bit in the gym? Do you think he's pounded some weights? Oh yeah. Like, you know, so, so when we look at greatness, it's, you know, a lot of times we see, you know, I know the form, but, but we both know. And, and again, it's our younger selves. Maybe at times didn't know, no, no, that form comes through, through, uh, you suffering. You know, and the, the world is suffering and the more we accept it, then the, the more it's, the more we're able to sort of cope with it, I think. So, uh, I would so agree. yeah, no, yeah. I had a, um, a, a couple of days ago, I, I posted, I ironically on LinkedIn, um, I was on my morning walk, uh, and there's a line in a song that I listen to. I use, I meditate, but in addition to that, walking is very meditative. So it I, is in, yes. in addition to meditation. And uh, I was listening to this song that I've listened to hundreds of times. And for some reason, the line, one specific line in the song hit me. And the line goes, you got to lose to know how to win. And the challenge is too many times we try and protect people from losing. Parents do it. Coaches do it. Teachers do it. Bosses do it. And that's wrong. And by the way, the line is from the song Dream On from Aerosmith in 1973. Yeah. So anyway, got to <laughs> lose to know how to win. Yeah, absolutely. Folks. Absolutely. So one of the things that that our um you know young leaders are 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 looking for, you know, is kind of 
well, what's my path? What's what's going to happen? And, and, and a lot of times they see successful people like yourself, Bill, and they'll go, well, it must have been really clear or whatever. And 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 it's and one of the things that I love to sort of show is is hold on, like there wasn't that much clarity. But but when you came out of you know uh, university and and as I recall it, yeah, business a business degree. You know, where did you go? What what direction did you head? Uh, you know, uh, moving along your path. Well, uh, first of all, uh, nothing has ever been clear to me. Uh, I find clarity because I search for it. Okay. Back then, I didn't even know how to search for it well. Right. So I took a job early on that allowed me freedoms. I did, never wanted to blame somebody else. Um, plus, if I'm really being truthful, I'm not sure other people would have hired me. So okay. I took a job selling insurance. Okay. And I worked 100% commission. Right out, okay. right out, of, right out of school, and I knew that wasn't going to be a forever career for right. me, but it exposed me to some wonderful people and some um, all kinds of different things, and that led me to my next job, which led me to my next job, or I really got into a. I've always been fascinated with coaching. From well, one qu- what, before we jump there, let's. What's the advantage of learning how to sell? Like what's what like to have that like that that core skill that core capability you know insurance I'm going to talk to people I'm going to learn how to network I'm going to learn how to not take it personally if someone doesn't want to buy what are those what 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 what's that going to mean for a young person to 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 take that route or gain those capabilities? Well, first of all, I, th- I think anybody can learn basics and concepts of selling. I also believe great salespeople is is a talent. Not, not you know, you can put skill on top of it, but um, I think to have a basic understanding of what it takes to sell is arguably one of the best skills anybody could have throughout their whole entire life. To focus, this only teaches you to focus on questions, understanding problems, uh, discovering people's challenges, and then solving those. And those are skills that that help us succeed in any role and whatever we do in this world. So yeah, that that's a huge huge skill that I think everybody should take the time to to learn. To to learn, okay. And then it started to morph into coaching in future future roles. So why don't you talk more about about that and those future roles, uh, Bill? The I've always been fascinated uh, when I think back to, um, for example, American football. Growing up in the state of Nebraska, Tom Osborne yeah. and Bob, you know, Bob Devaney and then Tom Osborne. And, you know, I was fascinated by how these people could find such consistent success in a state like Nebraska. You know, how did Tom Osborne create such elite teams? And so I would watch him to the degree I could, I would watch him on the sideline and his behavior as much. I was as fascinated with that as with what happened on the field. And I didn't, as a, as, as a younger man, I couldn't describe why I was fascinated with that, but I was. And, right. and plus I probably thought I was strange for wondering that as well. Right. Uh, that, you know, morphed into um, taking a job, I think in sales management, which is my first leadership role, or let me rephrase that. I'll call it coaching. Role. I like coaching versus leadership. I think that the term, well, 
I think you can be a follower with great leadership behaviors. Absolutely. To coach means you have a team of people that report to you. That's fair. Yeah. So I we use the term in our book, The Coaching Effect. Uh, yeah. Our company is all focused on, we, we like that term coaching better. So anyway, my first coaching role then was in sales. So I had a team of eight people that, uh, that I was accountable for getting to achieve at higher levels. Yes. And that's when I really began to um, take my fascination with that role and really put it in, into play. Right. Um, since in, I went from there, it's kind of interesting. When you have success in a role, you, you, you get promoted. And every time you're promoted, you reach another level of incompetency. And I reached that level um, when I took the job with a publicly traded company to lead all of sales and marketing. And not that I, I, I had wonderful successes there and learned a great deal. Um, that's also the job I got fired from. Right. And made me realize that that is not that that is not for several reasons my jam. <laughs> so well, and let's let's stay there, Bill, because um, you know, for me, my business, uh, I'm a fantastic head coach. That's actually what I call myself. I'm the head coach and I I recruit, I I train, I coach and and what coach team of people who coach teams of people and you know, when I was more outside running the business, I did not excel at that. Brought in my partner and CEO, and now we run it together and our business has gone five times. And so, you know, quote unquote, I'm not the CEO. That's fantastic. What a gift. And then I'm, I'm doing the things that really, really uh, is my jam, as you said, is what I'm really great at. And there is just so much to that. And, and, and you're right. I think so often, uh, the world promotes us and promotes us or moves us and moves us. Or we think as a young person, oh, I want that title or I want that. That's the best role may not be the best role for you. So, so speak more to that and what you experienced there. Bill. Well, yeah. Um, oh man, there's so much wrapped up in that growth. And this is what I'm really passionate about it could, because that's a coach's job yes. is, is to grow themselves and therefore they can grow their teams. I think yes. coaches are mids to their team's performance. And we want to grow that. We have to grow ourselves. Um, so back to the question, we have a tendency to assume growth is synonymous with the promotion. And that's yes. what I thought. Yes. And nothing yes. could be further from the truth. In our research at the Excel Institute and Excel Sports, uh, we're learning that only 4 to 5%, uh, use sales as an example, only 4 to 5%. Four to five percent of salespeople would make great coaches, what we yeah. call high growth, high performing coaches. That means 95, 96 percent of people, they should stay there or find something else to do. Yes. Now, yeah. that's not impugning them. But, you know, if you took the word manager or you took the word leader or executive out of the equation and said, hey, you know, in sales, you can continually grow and stay in sales, or you can have a path towards other places in the company or other careers, right. or you can kind of lean toward becoming a coach. Now, if you took the word manager, leader, executive out of it and just say the next, the next uh, another spot within the company is you can be a coach to salespeople, yeah. how many people would just say, well, hold on, no, that's not my deal. 
Yeah. I'd rather play yeah. the game than coach the game. Right. Okay, great. Yeah. So we I think part of it is removing the stigma that the only way I can grow is 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 through a hierarchical hierarchical system. I, I think that's wrong. Yes. And we need to focus uh and become happy and own our own growth and not leave that to someone else. And and which goes, it's a little dichotomous with my passion about coaching, but coaches need to think the same way. My job is to 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 develop myself first. And then it's not to make this person grow, it's to help them understand they have the tools to grow and and peel back the layers that allow them to grow themselves. And and help them want to see that they want to grow. Right. And and you can see as well the structures in an organization so often again feed people to, oh, then I can be the vice president. You know, why shouldn't the, you know, top two or three salespeople or whatever, 15 or 20 salespeople just literally be treated like just absolute rock stars. And they, and they are, but, but really, really, you know, uh, look at the results you're getting, look what you're doing for the organization. This is fantastic. And, and of course, you know, if you really, really love the idea of coaching, okay, but, but, you know, but this is your, this is your jam. Like, and that's how I believe senior leaders should be speaking to those people. And, and again, having them walk through the, you know, just that space. I could be a really great salesperson. No question. I'm, you know, and I love coaching. That's why I'm a coach. I just love it, love it, love it. Do it all the time, you know, have coaching calls all the time. And people call me at night and I go, well, if I can squeeze it in and, you know, it's okay, you know, with my honey, then, okay, great. You know, so, so it's just, it's fun, right? It's fun uncovering those opportunities. And that's where, to me, that's where we need to look because some salespeople, as you know, I want to close deals right. and that's fun. Right. And I want to, I want to just, you know, you know, track, track that, that client down and find out what they want. And all right, I'm so excited. Right. Like what's, you know, is that what you found anything else that you found to determine between whether I want to stay in sales or whether I want to move to coaching? Oh, yeah. Uh, we've got all kinds of research on this. Um, so it, it, what we see is about 30% of the, um, Coaches we work with, whether they're executive people within, you know, and uh, senior vice president of sales and marketing, all the way down to what we call sales management one, first level coach. Uh, 30% of them shouldn't even be in the role, meaning that the, they do what we call they create zero or negative discretionary effort. In other words, if they left that job, if they left their team alone, the team would produce at a higher level. That's 30%. That's a scary number. There's another probably 20% on top of the 30 that just doesn't want to change your behavior. Right. Which leaves somewhere between 50 or 40 to 50% that are really willing to change behaviors to help to help themselves grow and then help their teams grow. And so that's that's just for starters. So the, what what the great ones do? They're disciplined to a series of activities. Um, those activities they do very consistent one-on-one -on -one meetings. They provide objective feedback. They do career excuse me career development planning with the people on their teams, and they hold uh, consistent team meetings. Now, while none of those are rocket science, uh, you're probably right. Of course, right now you're not thinking G Bill. That's 
Those are all unique and novel. Thank you for that. But but, but I get as well that people don't do what's, you know, just standard. Like we were talking earlier about this weekly coaching conversation book that we use as a, you know, we go, oh, this, they're basically writing what we do. Isn't this fantastic? And he's writing like this is a breakthrough, which it is for most organizations because they literally don't provide weekly coaching to their teams. Well, so they, many organizations. They don't. You're right. And what's interesting is is and this is where it all comes so there's the quantity of coaching you do and then there's the quality of coaching you do so but if you took one of those 30 percenters that really kind of sucks at coaching and you said hey you need to now go spend more time with your people i read this book right i'm gonna force you you need to do weekly one-on-ones with your people you could creating more discretionary effort or, or, or yeah. negative discretionary effort because yeah. now I you suck at doing something and you're going to make me do more of it and I'm making people go away. Yeah. It's like yeah. to a, a, someone who really, really is bad at sales go see more customers Yeah, and repel them, please. <laughs> <laughs> so so it, it's, it's not just the activity, but then it's how you do the activity. Right. So if I do a one-to-one meeting, for example, the biggest, when we do our research, we show in research, the number one complaint people have about their one-on-one meetings with their boss is all they want to talk about are numbers. Yeah. Metrics. That's, yeah. So, it, it, so not, well, Bill, you said do one-on-one meetings. Yeah, but it's how you do them as well. So exactly, you said shoot the ball more. Well, yeah, but your shot sucks. So we got to yes. work on that too. So, you know. Yeah. So, so let's, let's dig into that. So I, I, I certainly agree. One of the components should be holding us account, accountable to our metrics and what our, what our, our structure should be and what they're doing. And what are the other things that, that we should be doing? Because, and by the way, as well, if you really look at, you know, Salesforce and all these amazing organizations, right? Like, wow, what great tools we have. But if that's all we're focusing on metrics, there's, there's this whole huge opportunity. So how, how do you coach your coaches to deal with those and to develop people, really? Well, there are, it's a really good question, Chris. And there are three, three primary themes and sub-themes that we, sure. we research. Um, first and foremost, and this won't be a shock to you at all, is yes. relationship. Yeah. And we look at relationship, whether it's in business, and, and we started a company called Excel Sports, too, because we're working, we're, we're studying the impact athletic coaches have on student athletes. Oh, look, see, look at that, eh? So, right. You know, that's what you started with back at, you know, Nebraska, this enormously fantastic football team, and it comes back. Is that great? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but what's interesting, so when you look at relationship, there's two components to it. It's our, my ability to trust, create a trust bond between either athlete and coach, or um, we'll use sales and business as an example, yeah. salesperson and their, and their coach, right? Yeah. So, Relate trust, trust connection is part of that. And another component of relationship is psychological safety. Right. Yes. How safe do I feel within my team environment? So using that as a foundation relationship is one order. Uh, and if you what you watch my TED talk. Yes, I, I did. Yep. About order in the growth rings. Order is one. Uh, are you accountable? Are you consistent um, within our team? And the last is complexity, or the way the way we view that is challenge. Yes, meaning that just because you're a coach, you can have great connections, you can have great accountabilities, you can be consistent. You know, you show up in a with a positive attitude all the time. 
But if you never challenge people, they're never going to grow. Yes. And it's our job as coaches is to make people uncomfortable in a healthy way. And if we don't do that, we're not growing. So those are kind of the three primary themes, relationship, order, and complexity uh, that coaches should do in terms of the quality of their coaching. Okay. So totally get psychological safety. And that's so powerful and so important. And let's talk about you know, how do we challenge our, our, our people? You know, how do, how do we, you know, again, you know, with psychological safety, because it's funny as well as sometimes you look at coaches, especially from decades ago, they didn't look very psychologically safe to me. Okay. Um, and a lot of times, you know, quote unquote, older people look and oh, look at how, look at how you have to talk to these athletes today. Yes. That's how we have to talk to people today. You know, we can't be yelling and screaming at people. You know, it doesn't it doesn't work? It's it's going to have people feel unsafe. So how do we how do we push people effectively, or or or, or sorry, have how have, have people thrive? Uh, uh, another really good question. So there's there's actually um, a sequence to these, meaning that you have not first you have to earn the right to challenge somebody, and that right is earned through relationship, through trust. Right. Okay? Right. Plus, if I don't trust you, if we don't trust each other, that means I don't know you. And if I don't know you, how do I know what makes you comfortable or uncomfortable? How do I know what your, what your talents are? How do I know what your strengths and weaknesses are? And so when that happens, from a coaching perspective, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Because what may be challenging to you could be unchallenging to me or vice versa, right? So we have to know that person intimately, number one. And then number two is uh, there's a, a lot of different ways to look at it. It could be, you know, when we think in terms of athletics, for example, it could be a new drill. It could right. be adding to that drill. It could be um, completely, hey, we're going to change up, if I'm a tennis player, we're going to change a backhand. We're going to change a grip. Uh, all those create complexity or create challenge. From a business perspective, it, it could be, hey, one more call this week, just one. One more meeting, uh, work 15 more minutes, start the day 15 minutes early. It could be, uh, I want you to tackle a new project. Whoa, a new project. Yeah, it'll make you uncle. Well, I don't know if I have time. Of course, you don't have time, but nobody has time, you know? So there's a lot of different ways, but it has to be something not just that I want or I need as a coach, but it's also something that I know will benefit that person. Anytime. We ask somebody to do something new or something different, we're going to make them uncomfortable by and large. Because it is uh, when you do that, you're creating the unknown and unpredictability is what creates discomfort. And uh, so when we talk about, you know, as a coach asking, you know, or enrolling, I guess, you know, that's one of the great things about being a coach when you're also a good salesperson, right? So you're, you're, you're enrolling them, you're selling them, you're, 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 you're showing them why this growth makes sense. So, so, so any, any strategies around that? Uh, let me sh- make sure I understand your question. You mean, and how to help somebody make sense of that growth? Yes. And, and, and make sense of taking on those extra challenges, that sort of thing. So, so yeah. how do you, how do you, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. The, uh, what I tell people, and it sounds very self-serving, but it's not self-serving at all because there's no benefit in it. But understand, first of all, is to help people understand how growth occurs. That growth only occurs when in a state of discomfort. Right. What I tell people to do, and again, this sounds self-serving, but it's all Ted, it's not me. 
watch the TED talk on how and why growth creates, or excuse me, how and why discomfort creates growth. Right. Because we have to learn to become comfortable in discomfort or we will be limiting our own growth. So that I think is one of the best ways to do it. And then another just really practical way, as simple as it sounds, and you're going to nod your head. I know you're going to be all over this because this is exactly (laughs) what you do, is too many coaches don't ask enough questions. Right. Yes. They think, well, my job as a coach is I provide feedback. The best way to provide feedback is not to tell somebody something, but just have the best question and a whole series of them and let people self-diagnose self-correct. It works better in brain science. It'll stick more. Um, That's the power of coaching. Yeah, no, I, I, I love the, you know, it's, it's trying to explain people. Well, you know, when you discovered it and it's like all the lights in your head pop, you know, that, you know, I don't know how to describe that, but it's, I'm sure it's brain science has shown it where it's like, Oh, I got it. Oh, you know, just got it. And it's yeah. like, boom, everything's popping in your head. That's what we want to do as coaches, because then, then it's like, Oh, I don't need Bill and Chris to be there to hold me accountable or to watch me. No, I want to do that because that will hit, help me hit my goal and help me win my high performer trip and help me achieve my financial goals and maybe invest in a real estate property or whatever, right? Like that's what you want people to do things because they want to do them, not because the company needs them to do them. That, that doesn't work. It, exactly. And, 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 and it's, it's funny, um, I keep using that term funny, but you 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 mentioned these things and it takes me to different places. Right in sure. your backyard is a, a wonderful uh, friend. His name is Dr. Peter Jensen. And I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's an Olympic sports psychologist and he works okay. only with Canadian Olympic athletes. And he's right. based in Toronto. And uh, he refers to it. And I stole this from him and I credit him all the time. So he knows this. Uh, But what Dr. Jensen calls it is a developmental bias, where I see things, this is what he said great coaches have. We see things in people they don't see themselves. And we help them peel back those layers and discover those things about themselves that, you know, people probably have more self-imposed limits than what great coaches have limits when they see them. Yes. And that is one of the things. And by the way, if you don't have that, you can develop that to some degree. But if you don't have this desire, if you're not as passionate in this conversation as you and I are, don't go into coaching. Yes. Yeah. Find your growth, find your passion elsewhere. Um, I started our company at the age of 47. And, you know, so it's never too late. People's too often, I'm going to get uh, on a soapbox here, but too often I hear, well, well, I don't know what job to take. I don't know what I want to do. And so I'm frozen, right? They're in a state of chaos or doing nothing. And my response is always the same. Well, go try it. Go, go, go down this road. Well, what if I'm not happy? Then you've learned something. You can check the box and say, I don't want to do that again. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. don't do nothing. Do something, even if it's the wrong thing. And you'll learn. Yeah, yeah. no, for sure. For sure. No, that's, uh, I, I think sport is such a great way. I used to be an elite swimmer and elite athlete. Um, I had my old varsity coach who's won, like he's been head coach, sorry, he's been coach of the year 
I don't know, so d- dozens and dozens of times uh, for his sport across the nation so many times. And I had him on the podcast a, a few weeks ago. And um, and I just think sport and business are so, so easy. And I get why you've, you've, you know, you're doing both, right? It's in the same space. One of the big things that I loved um, your team sent me over is, is, um, measuring and quantifying leadership effectiveness. As I said earlier, I go, I got it. I got it in my heart. I got it in my, you know, when I coach people in their eyes, right. And then I get it in their results. But so how have you measured and quantified that with, with the work that you've done? Um, what we've, what we've done, Chris, is we have studied what they do and how they behave. Okay. And, and then we're able to look at longitudinally over periods of time, how, uh, how does that behavior and how do those actions, let, let me qualify this. Uh, behaviors is kind of an encompassing term where sure. I look at behaviors as what you do and what you say. So I'll just use the term behaviors Perfect. and how their behaviors impact growth of the teams they lead over time. Okay. So for example, we've studied now close to 150,000 interactions between bosses and employees in the workplace. We've, we're watching it. We've got a ton of data in sales. So sales uh, coaching or sales leaders to salespeople, sales executives to sales lower, exe- you know, lower, lower level leaders. Um, we've got an operations. We've got an NIT. We've got it. Now we're doing it in athletics. What is same thing, right? What is a, what are coaches behaviors? How do they impact the performance and growth of athletes? And then we're also now doing it in the classroom. <laughs> we got how wow. do teachers impact the performance and growth of students. So, and so when you're, when you're saying, um, let's stay in a business environment, when you're saying that you're getting, seeing this behaviors, do you have video or what, how are you doing that? How are you recognizing what they're doing? Another good question. So there's two ways you can get this. There's actually multiple ways you can get the data. You can't, to follow somebody around all the time would be very, very yeah. hard. That's what I was trying to figure right. out. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah. So there's the only way to know how a coach is impacting the people on their team is to go to the people on their team. Okay. And Got interview it. and survey them. So okay. that that is one of the primary ways. Okay. Um, I'm not a believer at all in 360 in 360 reviews. You know, um, I'm a huge believer in bottom up. Right. Huge believer in bottom up. Top down by observation. You know, if I'm going, if I'm a coach, and that's one of the things I think we have a tendency to 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 let go is, I, if I'm a coach, I want to see you play. Yes. Right. And and yeah. then I can be a good judge of your behaviors. But what I can't be a judge of is how those behaviors are impacting the people you're coaching, without surveying them. So that's one of the ways we do it. And the other way is we had developed a, a, technologi- a technology we call the coaching cloud where uh, leaders, coaches enter the activities they do. So if I do a one-on-one meeting, I go in and fill in the notes on my one-on-one meeting. If I'm doing a, an objective feedback and I'm going to document, all that's done within a singular system, then we can roll all that up Right. The output of it. So it's fascinating. So those two yeah. methods. 
Okay. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I, you know, uh, well, you can tell, I just, I, I love, I love what you're up to. I'm going to go buy your book. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I, I, uh, I, uh, I, I just, I just think it's really, really amazing. Um, and, uh, so what about, what about, you know, as a coach, you know, do you like to listen, listen or watch your players play to sort of see how they're doing and provide feedback? Is that another tool that you're, you're using in your toolbox for coaches? Yeah, I, I love, you mean, are you talking about me personally or, or, yeah, or, or, or people, the, the people that you recommend, you know, the, the coaches that you coach? I, uh, I, I don't work a lot of hands-on anymore because I'm more of, I, you're setting, you're setting the table and here's what we should do. And, but I do come down and I, uh, that's very poorly put. Let me read. Yes, I got it. Yeah. I do love to work at the grassroots level. For example, um, on our, on our sports division. I'm going to go work hands-on with the coach and her volleyball team this next year. I, um, she really wants to grow. She wants to be a great coach. She wants to have a huge impact on the lives of her student athletes. And, and she is really not at all afraid of learning and being challenged. I'm going to go work with her hands-on and just because I want to. I want to see how all these things come together and really affect a lot of lives that way. Um, that's one of the ways I love to go. I still do one-on-one client work because it doesn't take up a ton of my time, but I love engaging. I love people when they hire us, if they want us to come to workshops, I love to go do those because that gets me face to face and eyeball to eyeball and hear and listen. I can ask great questions and, and grow. So yes, I still love to do that. Um, but I know uh, to obviously keep our business growing in the right directions and doing all the right things. I also got to get other things and get away. Yeah. From it all. Yeah. No. And, and it's one of those things I know, you know, uh, you know, we're, we now have, you know, hundreds of operators and, you know, thousand, 1500 students in the field. So we're going to do over $20 million of the business so that there's, there's so many things that are going and it's, it's, it's being in the right spot. Right. Like or, or, or always being being, you know, hearing the conversations and then and then it's then you can impact the whole group because you're hearing everything. Right. So you so so there's there's just something to uh, you just can't read the data at the end of the week and say, oh, here's where we are. Like that just won't work like or, you know, it's sorry, that's something that's important. And, you know, it's how do we get there? Right. It's like, uh, you know, uh, um, yeah, just just it matters. It matters enormously. So what. What about, you know, how did you know that running a business was the right thing for you? Because you'd been doing all these other things. You'd been working in corporate America and then you turned around and you went in a different direction. Uh, after I was fired, um, I really, I had not only had a lot of time to do a lot of soul searching, <laughs> I needed to do it quickly because income was gone. And I will never forget the moment because I had another pretty good sized company uh, visit with me about doing the same thing for their company. So I would have gone figured company A to company B, same kind of role. Yeah. Actually even a little bigger company. And um, I remember uh, really giving that strong consideration. And then my wife had asked me a few questions about 
pretty wise questions. I can't remember exactly what they were, but yeah. they created that epiphany because I sat down with her one evening. I said, I think she asked about, well, what did you do with this job thing? And I said, I'm not pursuing it. And she said, why not? I said, because nobody will ever fire me again. And she said, oh, I said, no, because I'll never work for anybody again. And that was my epiphany number one, that I never wanted to have my future controlled by somebody else. And not that we do when we when we work for somebody, but back then my mindset was they're controlling me. Ultimately, I would have got, I've, I've matured enough to realize that, no, I still control myself. It's how I respond to them, right? But but regardless of which it was okay, I'm never going to report to somebody again, and and you know, so that was number one. And number two was, it wasn't about making money because I could have gone out and done consulting work and just made money. It was about creating more of a legacy business. So I wanted to create something where I could hire people because then I can coach people, yeah, help yeah. them become better. So that was that was the epiphany number two. It had nothing to do with money. And it had everything to do with creating a team. And I love team. Yeah. And there is something, you know, for me, I, I guess I've always been an entrepreneur. There's something to, hey, I have, you know, 500 clients or a thousand clients or whatever versus one, you know, or one big customer who even, even it's risky with one big customer who, who, you know, it's as 40% of my business or something like that, that would be not something where I would sleep well. So it's, it's just, you know, not in that situation. So it's, there is just something to, you know, having more control, you know, having more, you know, you've got this spread of clients, spread of responsibilities, and it's just life's not so bumpy. Because again, as, as it, you know, in your business, you wouldn't have one client being 100% responsible. For it. It's not, it's really not that responsible, if you think about it, because it puts, it puts your lifestyle, puts your life in, in jeopardy of somebody just changing an opinion, you know, or not even an opinion, who knows what created what it is. I know 2008 was a pretty big fundamental year. So a lot of companies were looking to find ways to cut their costs at that point in the uh, massive uh, economic uh, stressful circumstances that we have for our young young leaders. You know, um, you know, massive bank crisis at that point. So you know, it's oh, yeah. not it's not you know a lot of, a lot of really good people got let go then. So um, so as you went from being a university student to a you know business owner, you know, value creator in the full time world, what do you need to change about yourself, Bill? Everything. <laughs> uh, I, I, and I don't mean that overly flippantly. I mean, yeah. uh, but we need to constantly, in, in, not to sound cliche, we need to be constantly reinventing ourselves, continually challenging ourselves. Uh, we got to quit, you know, I was thinking about this this morning. It's, it's, we we got we to quit pointing fingers and look in the mirror. You know, I can't. Republicans can't blame Democrats. Democrats can't blame. They got to look in the freaking mirror and point at themselves and say, hey, I'm the problem because I'm not able to bring these two together, whatever that may be. Um, So I think there, as I matured, the there's, of course, I'm always wiser. I try to be wiser at the end of every day than I was before the day started. So that means every morning I had to start by reading something. Uh, to to learn something every day, yeah. Um, there's in the last several years a ton more, uh, a lot more, uh, huge emphasis on above the neck or above the shoulders. 
um, that so many of my of what I perceived as my shortcomings were solved by not focusing on the shortcoming, but just focusing on mindset. Yes, okay. uh, my mental yeah. health. Yeah, and and I think that's probably uh, you know what I always have done well. I've always I've always been great at identifying and acquiring talent. Um, I've been I've been blessed to be able to retain that talent, um, develop that talent. So those are wonderful things that 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 I've been naturally gifted at. And but the burnout is was challenging. The um, you know I'll, I'll just be blunt. What I was creating so much stress for myself, I eventually just was crippled um, with back pain. Right. Now I couldn't couldn't walk to an airport, couldn't get on an airplane, couldn't stand on stage. Um, and I remember uh, um, one of my colleagues gave me a book um, called The Mind Body Prescription. And so, uh, because I had been to all kinds of doctors, um, had multiple procedures done, and ultimately they just said, "Hey, it's time for surgery." You know, you can't walk. It's time, you know, you can't walk for more than 10 steps, 100 steps, whatever it was. You know, I was just laying down all day. And uh, and so I thought, okay, I'm not going to let anybody near my spine with a scalpel. And so I started reading and realized that my challenges were not physical. The physical was a manifestation of something greater. And so I first started doing things like meditation and journaling and gratitudes. And uh, quite literally in three weeks, the pain went away. And it's been gone for four years. And uh, so, but it's a constant evolution. I've learned not to dismiss anything, Chris. I'm sure you have to, right? Yeah. We, yeah. we have to, well, instead of saying, no, that's wrong. It's like, interesting, tell me more. Yeah, see, I love that. Interesting, tell me more. Yeah. I Well, first of all, thanks so much for your authenticity and vulnerability. It's, you know, uh, well, I was going to say it's so rarely shown. The reality is, in our organization, it's shown a lot, and 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 it, it's 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 really uh, powerful. And and um, you know, one of the things I I see in our young leaders, because I see myself, is I see people who want and need to make it. You know, that's their. You know, that was my thought when I was trying. I got to make it. I'm going to make it. I got to you know prove it to mom and dad or whatever or to myself or 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 you know all the different reasons I had and. I definitely su- suffered from, you know, stomach problems and, you know, overwork and, and burnout. And, uh, you know, literally I used to fall asleep on the, or, or I have fallen asleep on the way up the stairs because I was so tired. Like that's just insanity, literally. Um, so, so I totally can relate and it's, it's great to sort of put that in there. It's like, no, we need to you know, and, and by the way, our society now, there's way more meditation apps and there's way more mindfulness now. And, and, and so I know so often we're pointing at the things that aren't working right in the world. And there's a lot more things about working and that again, the mind body connection and not letting our driving, you know, drive everything good in our world away. Because again, you can have lots of success, but tell me you're a millionaire lying on the couch because you can't get up. <laughs> Your life sucks. <laughs> Right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, so, right. <laughs> so, well, that's awesome. So, so now what key habits would someone want to steal from you? You know, some of these young people, uh, well, young leaders. Don't, don't wait till you're 55 years old before you discover the power of things like journaling, uh, before you discover the power that you have within your mind 
to quite literally become or do anything you want to do. Uh, it, it's it's all about how it's people focus too much on. Well, I want, for example, I was always hard on myself because I could never find the discipline to work out all the time and do all these things. And eventually, I quit impugning myself and 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 berating myself for missing a workout, and instead put all the consistency into journaling, meditation, gratitudes. And guess what happened? Really easy to go go do your workout. Exactly. <laughs> I was focusing on the wrong thing. So yeah. I think to answer that question specifically is look for the power of the mind, not the body. Look for the power of the collective within organizations, within people. Find yourself a coach. You got to get a coach because otherwise you just see the world through your own lens. You got to have someone else, you know, great coaches. And here's what we say in our business. Nothing elevates performance or growth more than a great coach. Nothing. So I love that. Get get give attention above the shoulders and go find yourself a coach. Yeah. Well, I, I love I love what you're saying. And one of the things I've been working on a lot is self compassion. And so you know you you know how are you speaking to yourself? What's happening in your mind? And would a really great friend speak that way, or would your coach speak to you that way? And the answer, of course, is no. And so it's it's you know, and then and then continue to work on yourself so that no, I'm actually speaking to my way. Sorry, speaking to me the way a really first class coach would, you know. And again, you always need a first class coach because we can't diagnose ourselves. We, no. we just can't see ourselves. We can't, you know. And um, you know, the more we get to understand ourselves, the better we can do. Oh, there I am. Being defensive again. That's one of my things. There I am being sensitive again. Okay. There's Chris being sensitive, you know? So, okay. And I can see myself doing that, laugh and move on. Right. You know, so, well, so yeah. you're mentioning a powerful tool that again, to, to your earlier question is the power of your thoughts. If you can consciously recognize when you're thinking, then you, then you're, then you realize that, no, that's a thought that's not real. Right. And, and that's why I think it's really important to your point to train yourself to do that. And the way you train yourself is through being quiet in your mind, through being more present. Uh, and the only way to do that in, in, from what I've experienced is through things like meditation, journaling and gratitude. So and when you can do what you just described, Chris, you are you've unleashed a ton of potential. Yeah. Yeah, no, and 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 just so everyone understands. So first of all, mindfulness comes from um, number one. You know, a lot of people know meditation, journaling, or morning pages. You know, we're basically just writing all the stuff that's in our head, okay? And just oh, look at the, oh, look what I'm thinking today. Is it, what what about that? You don't know, and and we'll see ourselves. Maybe there's these complaints coming up, and you go, well, that's not going to work very well in my relationship with my incredible spouse that I'm complaining and then, oh, okay, hey, let's, maybe there's a conversation I need to have, or maybe I just need to give that up and go, that's so silly. Look at that. You know, look at how I'm seeing this incredible person I live with, you know, and then, okay, letting it go. Or, but again, maybe it means, oh, let's, we, we can we talk about this and have a, have a great conversation, get yourself in a great space to do it. And then I, I just so, so believe in, again, uh, a regular gratitude and acknowledgement practice. Every night I go to sleep, what can I acknowledge myself or what can I be feel grateful for? And then you're waking up in the morning and you're going, Oh, wow. You know, I'm so lucky to be alive. Right. Yeah. So yeah, um, those gratitudes. Yeah. I, I can't tell you one's most powerful, but there's a synergy between the three. 
Yes. I, I do exactly what those three you described. I call journaling, actually, I call it brain download. I okay, download yes. what you said onto a piece of paper or on uh, a document on my computer, the gratitudes are every morning because and when I'm done doing them and then reading what I had written maybe a year ago, okay, it makes me smile. That means every day before I engage with anybody on my team, I'm in a positive mindset. Yes. Every yeah, yeah. single day. Yeah. And my team and then, deserves it. Yeah, no, your team deserves it. And then you feel it. And then your team goes, oh, wow, I want to work with Bill. Right. Like that's that's how they're feeling, because, again, if we're in a good like if we're our best possible self, then people want to work with us when when we're not. That's the issue. Right. And so it's right. it's it's getting not. So um, so I've got one final question. But before I did, I just wanted to sort of see, is there anything that you'd like to you know offer or share with our anything else that that, you know, didn't get asked or anything like that? Oh, wow. That's it's that's kind of you to offer that. Um, oh, I, I would say. um Reach out to me if you have any questions. I am, I, after I did that TED Talk, which were, I think we're near 4 million views on that thing. I have had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people reach out to me. And I'm really, and this isn't a brag, but it's probably one of the things I'm most proud of. I've reached back to every single person. Awesome. Everybody that's ever reached out to me gets a response from me. Fantastic. And if anybody has any questions, BillExtrom.com is a personal website. Excel Institute, it's E-C-S-E-L-L, excelinstitute.com is our company website. Excelsports.com is almost up and running, so that's awesome. that's coming up. And uh, the TED Talk is entitled, Why Comfort Will Ruin Your Life. And you just have to Google that. It comes right up. Yeah, just Google Why morning. Comfort Will Ruin Your Life. It'll <laughs> pop up. And then our latest best-selling book is called The Coaching Effect. Fantastic. And, and so we'll put all those in the show notes. And uh, so final question, uh, Bill, when you think of a leader of tomorrow, what comes to mind? We're living in a golden age of lying. So I'm going to tell you right now, yeah. uh, candor, truth. Yeah. And this whole malarkey about, oh, well, what is truth? Come on, we know what truth is. <laughs> exactly. Uh, loving wastefully, mm-hmm. I think is another one. Uh we we have to we we can't be afraid to see others in a state of discomfort, knowing that they'll come out of it stronger and better. Uh, so leaders of tomorrow, be honest, and and don't blame others and say they're not. So therefore, I I don't have to be. Yes, you do. Love lead with love, and and all those give you the right then to help to challenge people, make them a little bit uncomfortable in a healthy way, and help them grow. Well, uh, Bill, I just, I, I've, I, this is just fantastic. Fantastic. Loved it. Um, you know, it's, it's, um, I know we talk about love in our organization and, and, you know, it, during our orientation, it's, it's like, you know, I know it may seem like, seem weird. What do you mean? You know, why, you know, why are you talking about love? Well, again, you know, just why wouldn't you talk about love? Why does love just need to be in families or something? You know, Hey, I'm just going to love my family. No, no, no. We got, more than enough love to go around. The more you love, the more love there is, right? So um, that's just so, so awesome. And uh, well, you know, clearly we could talk forever. Um, I, I, I'm sure I'll reach out again. I, I just, just, uh, you know, I'm, I love what you're up to. And uh, thanks for making this enormous contribution for us. Continued success in your path and, uh, and have a fantastic day. Well, Chris, thank you much. And before I got, I have to tell you, thank you for doing the work you're doing with youth because you are creating 
you're paying it forward in so many ways. So thank you as well. It's been an honor and fun to be with you today. It's been awesome. Okay, fantastic. Hey, you have an awesome day. Thanks so much. You too, pal. Bye-bye. Hey, leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. By now, you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.